All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside Writing. This show is presented by Gotham Writers, offering writing classes of all types and sizes. You can visit us online at GothamWriters.com. Before we get started, a few announcements. First of all, the Gotham Writers Conference is officially open for registration. If you want to peek behind the publishing curtain, this is the place to be. Doubly so if you have a project you're ready to discuss with agents. You can check that out on the Gotham website. Secondly, there's going to be no episode next week. Uh, we're taking a week off. We'll be back the following week. Now, the episode the following week is going to be a day later or an hour earlier. So not to make that too confusing. It's going to be Thursday, the 27th from 12 to 1, um, not on Wednesday. So you can see that reflected on the Gotham website as well. Okay, regarding today, at any point in the show, you can use the Q&A function to ask questions of our panelists. Most of you know how that works, but if this is your first time, there's that Q&A button down there on your Zoom dashboard. Any discussion-related questions you want to ask uh, re regarding our subject of the day, which is grants and fellowships, you can ask there in the Q&A. We also have the chat. That's for just general chat among, uh, among people here in the audience. Uh, but if you have questions that you want to have discussed by the panelists, that's the Q&A uh, function down there. Lastly, if you want to get caught up on any episodes of Inside Writing, you can find them all on the Gotham Writers YouTube channel or on any major podcasting platform. And while you're there, like us, subscribe us, leave a review. It helps to spread the word. So now we're going to get into the subject of the day, which is, like I said, grants and fellowships. So let's jump right in and meet our panelists. Our first panelist, a writer of pieces appearing in the New York Times, The Guardian, The New Republic, and more, as well as the recipient of numerous grants and fellowships, Justine Vanderloon. Hello, Justine. Hi, Josh. Hi, do I come on here? Yes, there you are. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for being here today. Uh, our, our second panelist, program director of literary awards at Penn America, and a writer of pieces appearing in such places as Guernica and Apogee, Jane Marchant. Hello, Jane. Hey. Hi there. All right. So we're going to get started as we always do with a couple definitions. So Justine, I want to start with you. What is a grant? Uh, the way I understand a grant is quite simply money <laughs> um, and money given to you by an institution to complete a project. Usually sometimes no strings attached. Um, as far as writing in my experience, uh, I've I'm exclusively nonfiction and journalism. And um, most of my grants are more or less no strings attached, just a lump sum um, toward a proposed project usually. Uh, sometimes a grant will come with some institutional support, like they might help you produce the piece. That's, that's less, less common, but those are the two types of grants that uh, at least I've experienced. Mm. And Jane, do you have anything to add to that about grants? Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds exactly as I know it, funding a, a work in progress in a financial manner. Gotcha. So Jane, then what is a fellowship and how does that differ from a grant? Yeah, so fellowships tend to offer a mentoring component or career um, pro um, you know, propose, a propelling uh, component to it. So if you're applying for a fellowship, you're probably in an earlier mid-career stage. Um, you're looking for, you know, one-on-one -on -one mentorship with another writer. You're looking for um, a, a collective group of writers around you. There tend to be maybe a group of, say, two to five to ten fellows in a cohort as well. So you're gaining not only the financial support, but also career networking support. Mm -hmm. And you can be applying with a specific project or a general idea. There's a lot more flexibility, I think, in fellowships. Mm -hmm. Justine, anything to add to that, what a fellowship is? That seems exactly my experience of what a fellowship is. Gotcha. All right, so Jane, you kind of got into this a little bit, but who are grants and fellowships for? Do you have to be at a certain point in your writing career to start looking for them? I don't think so. There's, I mean, especially in, in recent years, there's really exciting fellowships for younger writers. I've seen some for high school students, uh, middle school students. There's a lot of programs who are trying to get, you know, writers involved in, in the profession early. Um, I would say that with fellowships, there, there tends to be more of a cap with where you're, you're going to be. Um, and that is because of that mentorship component. If you are someone who's 
you know, published eight books and has won like the Nobel Prize, you don't really need a fellowship. You're where, <laughs> you're where you need, but you might need a grant to fund like some extensive research project um, that you're going on. Um, and to get that financial support, we all know that, that book publishing contracts don't necessarily pay that much. So um, yeah, with the, with the fellowships, you've got a really wide um, range of possibilities, grants as well, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Justine, in your writing career, when did you start seeking out these opportunities? When did it occur to you that you could go for a grant or a fellowship? Yeah, I was I was happy when you when you wrote me and invited me to this panel because um, it was something I honestly just didn't occur to me at all until maybe 2017, which is quite recently. Um, because I, I I mean I had an office job for like three years of my entire life, so I've been freelance forever. Um, not necessarily a journalist, like a writer, a freelance writer um, who went into journalism. So I didn't have a um, a specific genre, which I think you need to have it when you're applying for these things. I, um, I, I was sort of all over the place. Um, I wrote a book that was journalistic and then decided, okay, this is really definitely the, the space I want to be in. Um, and I, I really wish I had known earlier. Um, I wish I had known earlier. I would say it's, I think it's necessary uh, in this world and in this career, unless you are sort of independently wealthy or somehow super well-connected, um, it's, it's really necessary to, to get these. So I really gave myself like a crash course and have applied for so much ever since I realized that they were extremely helpful, both because you just need the money to complete like in-depth things, which is what I do. Um, and, but also, especially if you're an independent writer, which I think writers tend to be, to have communities that are behind you and people that know you and people that can vouch for you and can help you. I mean, it all really builds. So I was excited to come share what I've learned because I wish I had known much earlier about this. Yeah, and that kind of segues into a question I was gonna ask later, which is why grants and fellowships are necessary. It's all, you feel like it's just to sort of help you have that backing? I mean, I think you need the money if you're doing I mean, I do sort of investigative long form journalism, which takes a really long time and pays very little for the amount of time. I might spend a year doing a piece. Um, I'm not gonna get paid a year's salary on something like that. And so that's where fellowships and grants come in. But what I didn't quite realize about it, and um, Jane is at PEN America, and uh, not in the area that I got a fellowship from, but there's a, a section of PEN America where I got, I think my first, fellowship. Um, and that was such an incredible experience because I'd never had colleagues before. I'd never had people working in the same space and that, that sort of camaraderie and meeting friends, but friends who are working in a very specific area, um, helped my writing immensely. And also just my mental health (laughs) as somebody who's alone, like writing all the time. I was like, wow, it's really helpful to be able to reach out to people and to talk to them and to have an organization like Penn support you also really helps with morale. So for me, yeah, I mean, money and also just the support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinking about the word fellowship, what that also means, it's like, oh, you're fellow, like a fellowship, a community, um, that foundation. And I think for a lot of fellows who are um, like an emerging fellow or an emerging writer who hasn't necessarily gone to an MFA program or an undergrad workshop program and who's never encountered other writers and then to be in a space where you're like oh wait you do this too or this is what like writing can be (laughs) you know and and not encountering people out like in what you're so passionate about until you come into these spaces I think that's really life-changing and really important to to recognize the value in that and and also just you know, having those conversations, like you said, the mental health aspect of it, writing is so solitary, you're in a cave, you know, um, and I've heard just some people who say that, that that first just being recognized and being offered a fellowship or a grant and, and having someone give you that stamp of approval is really um, heartening and can really change your life just from an emotional and mental perspective, but then financially, and then all of these other benefits and, and the networking, and you can, you know, build your career and always go back to other people or talk to people. And even when you're right, if you get a book contract and you get a, you know, ask someone for a blurb, it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many, so many benefits of, of being involved in, in these programs. 
And Jane, when it comes to actually awarding the fellowship or the grant, is it all merit-based or what, what factors go into who gets these awards versus who doesn't? Jane, tell us. So many factors. <laughs> and the first is I'd say like there's just seeing the, the sheer numbers of people that apply for, for grants and fellowships and even our book awards, it's, you know, there's so many people and whenever I feel like you get a rejection, first of all, it's not like a personal rejection. It's not, um, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. First, just, you know, did you read the application instructions? Did you put your application together in the right way? Even, you know, as someone who's designing some of these forms, like I'm working with judges and I'm going to pass on, say, a submittable application to a judge that judge wants to, they're reading, say, 20, 30, 50, 100 applications. They want to make sure that they're all structured the same way. You have your bio, your intro, your transcript, whatever the materials are. Like the, the judge wants to easily read and ac access your materials, you know, write in a clear, direct manner. You know, write like you're talking to someone, read it out loud, like be your own voice um, to really say, this is my project. This is what I'm doing. This is why I need the money. You know, that's be direct. Um, and then. a grant that's not necessarily going to be in your best interest. There's so many grants and fellowships out there. So I'd say, you know, make sure that you align with, with the project and the goal of, or with the grant and the goal of that grant. Um, be direct in your application, you know, be passionate, show what you're, you're interested in. And, and then the judges are looking at a whole lot of, of different factors. They're looking at, your writing style, your project, the merits of your project. Um, and it's really, I don't want to say it's like a, a lottery or it's like a magic equation, but you, when one, one application is selected over another, it's not a negative um, assessment of one application. And, um, and I've heard so many writers and people say just like apply have like a, an idea that you're going to be rejected for everything, but have a goal of like a number of rejections <laughs> you're going to get because one day you're going to get someone who's like, this is perfect. And you're never going to exactly know why and what it is um, about what you've done, but you just have to be as true to your yourself and your project and your writing as possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of good stuff there. So Justine, from your, from your side, especially for somebody who, who's only been applying to grants and fellowships since 2017, you've gotten a, a fair amount of them. What did you do to make your application stand out? Or do you feel like you did something extraordinary or something different than everyone else? Well, I mean, I think it's really a numbers game, kind of like Jane was saying. So it might look like I have gotten a good deal of grants and fellowships and I am proud that I have, but, the, but I've gotten a lot of rejections. Like, you know, I mean, I, I talk about the Pan America fellowship cause it's, it's just was such a meaningful fellowship to me. Um, and I, I remember getting that email and like the call from um, Jane's colleague, Kate, and that was the worst career year of my life when that came along. And when Jane is talking about like helping you feel better, I mean, more than anything, I was really, I had been pitching articles that whole year, just silence or scooping, you know, people were scooping me or like, I mean, it was just the freelancers. So there's so much rejection in, uh, every, you know, every, I'm so honored to have this, et cetera, behind every one of those um, tweets or happy social media moments, I guarantee you, because I've heard people weeping to me and I myself have like slumped, like there's just tons of rejection behind all of that. So I've also, you know, I just, I think I realized um, that there's a level of legitimacy um, there's a sort of legitimizing effect of these grants and fellowships. Um, whereas I think you can be a really pure artist and a really pure writer, and you can just do your work to do your work, nothing more. And I think that's wonderful. I wish I were that person, you know, but it, but it doesn't work for all of us. Some of us need to get that kind of institutional backing to say like, this is worthy so that we can go forward because if we care about what we're doing, it helps build on that. Um, so 
I really, so which is to say that I have messed up tons of it. I've bombed interviews. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, gotten many rejections, but I think one of the things that I started to learn in the application process is to read very clearly, as Jane kind of said, read very clearly what this grant wants, like what this grant is wanting to support, what this fellowship wants to support. And I think you need to make quite sure that what you're proposing really fits exactly into what they're looking for. Because looking at it from the their side, they have boxes that they need to tick. Like they want to give you money. That's this whole thing. That's why it exists to give somebody money. So you need to make an argument to them why you are the one who needs that money. You're the one who needs that support because what you're doing fits precisely with their mission. And places have very specific missions. Um, usually that I think people can sometimes gloss over. Um, when they read it, they're like, well, I have this project and it, it should be good. It, well, maybe, but like, just help out the, the foundation, help them see that you fit what they're looking for. That's one thing that I kind of have, have, uh, have come to understand a little bit more um, over this, <laughs> this grant fellowship sort of crash course that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. and, and Jane, you know, you, you talked about this a little bit, but how much of it is just how do you really make it stand out like what kinds of things can you put into your application to make it look like this is the one you can't look past is there anything i mean i know it's a tough question because it's so subjective but is there anything that writers can need to focus on like what's the primary thing you're looking for i think that giving trying to give a sense of what the project is like what justine said about fitting the mission um and really giving clear voice to the individual behind the application and, and understanding, I'm thinking like workshop mode, it's always like, do I trust this narrator? But really, do you trust this writer? Do you trust that, they're, that they have an understanding of what they're trying to do, that they have a sense of their project and there's passion behind it? And, and I think that has to do with being clear, the clarity of, of the description and the project and then the writing samples as well. I think most grants and fellowships ask for a writing sample and trying to make sure that your writing sample is the most, like your project at its core, that it makes sense that somebody reading that writing sample is going to understand the importance of your project. Um, and also keeping that same tone of voice sometimes is interesting when you're, if you think about what your writing sample is and keeping that same tone and that, that, um, kind of the element of storytelling throughout the rest of your materials, even if it's just saying, you know, what is like in four sentences, what are you going to do with this money? You know, make it a story, tell it a little bit like you would in your, in your writing sample so that everywhere, any piece of writing that the, the panel, the committee, the judges, what have you is in, encountering gets a sense of, of who this writer is and what the project is and what the essence of that project will be. Mm -hmm. I think um, sort of following up on that, I, um, so this year was the first year often when you're given some sort of fellowship, you might be the next year asked by that in institution, would you like to judge the next year? Um, so I was, I was doing that and it was the first time I had ever seen from the other side. Um, I had no idea what it looks like to receive uh, an application. So, it, you know, and what I realized was um, like the sheer, amount of stuff that you get when you're on the other side of it, looking at it, that, um, so ev everything that the person is putting in front of you has to really um, be very compelling to them. You can't kind of do a sort of a half-assed job at it because the person, like I, on the other hand, I'm, have, you know, 30 applications. And so I'm not able to really get into it. You need to I need, you need to stand out to me so that I look at it. And I, and I started thinking about like um, the top things that I was seeing and it was the writing quality, the importance of the story. Like, did I feel like, or the project as well as, are you the one to tell it? Like, so if somebody could kind of make the argument that like, I have a, I have a lot of talent. I um, have a really important story to tell. Um, I'm the one who should tell it. Like, it should be me. I'm the one to tell it. And then I would say, lastly, and I'm going to produce. Like, this, I'm a, I'm a producer. Like, I'm going to 
in the end come through for you. I think those four things I, I saw as just being these really, you know, and, and it changed how I would kind of think of my own applications in, in those terms. Like, can I, I don't want to make the argument that I'm the one to tell this story. This story needs to be told. I've got the, the, the track record to do it and I have the ability to do it. So that those things all came together for me as the, the important, like it, it was, it was quite clear when I was judging it <laughs> where I might have messed up as, you know, when I was applying to it. So, so Justine, let's. Oh, and definitely on that, am I able to produce it? You know, somebody, these organizations aren't going to fund a project that they don't think is going to go anywhere. <laughs> so, so Justine, let's say you get the grant and this may be a silly question, but where, where does the money go? Like what, what do you apply it to? How does it, further your writing on that particular project. So, right, where does the money go, right? <laughs> um, I mean, typically, to, to be totally honest, until you're, I think, um, there are different sort of financial levels of fellowships and typically they're not very much money. I mean, they're, I would take $500, you know what I mean? But if you really think about getting a $5,000 grant to do an intensive project for a long time, like the money just doesn't really go that far if you're traveling, doing research, all of those things. So I think it just depends. I mean, for people who are doing fiction writing or um, maybe creative nonfiction or memoir or essays, there's no real infrastructure as far as I can tell to that writing. Like it's just their time. They need time to do it. They need time to look into stuff. For me, you know, I do a lot of research. I do travel. Um, I do data stuff. I, I so I have a lot. I have to like I I pay. I have to pay somebody to to enter stuff into Excel. So I have a lot of like things that you I really could use an assistant for. But I think most of the time it's just to pay for your babysitter, pay for your bills. Like you know, I mean, pay for a new computer if yours is broken. I think those are the kind of things that it goes to. Yeah, and Jane, is that something that does Pen America like dictate where that money can go, or is it kind of like a once you have it, it's at your discretion? Um, once you, I'm trying to make sure that yeah, it's once you have it, it's at your discretion. Um, you know, we have one grant that's for a children's or young adult novel in progress, and that's also essentially like the spirit of that grant is really to help someone finish their work and who's you know. Kind of financially struggling to finish it and whether that's you need to you know you need a couple thousand dollars to get a new transmission in your car so that you can go to the library and work there in the library or like you said like getting a babysitter so you can sit and and work for a couple hours without a distraction or someone else kind of needing your your mental time um and then there there's somewhere we're like hey give us a uh, a kind of detailed outline about what you're going to use this money for, but really it's just to see what kind of expenses your project is. So it could be, you know, I need to pay my rent for three months so that I can, you know, quit my day job and just focus on writing, or I need to go travel all through, you know, Southern Louisiana and interview these people and I'm going to have to stay in some hotels. Um, so sometimes we'll ask for an outline of what, what is financially needed. So we get a sense of, of, what the money would go to, but once it, it goes to those writers, we, we trust them to, to do what they need to do. Yeah, I've never had anyone ask for receipts. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of understood that you're putting roughly forth a budget. So some places ask you, we want a budget. You know, you break down your $5,000 you're asking for, you do. I've never had anyone say, okay, now can you account, did you really spend three nights in this? Because inevitably, I mean, you know, things, things changed and, and that money does always go toward the project one way or another. Mm -hmm. I remember I got a travel grant once and I was so worried about if they were going to come after me to make sure I spend it. And so I opened a separate checking account and I put that money and I used that debit card. Anytime I was like, okay, I'm buying this book. It's right. for that project. I'm using this hotel or I'm getting gas. Like I would use that card. Um, and track it and eventually it never, they never asked me for anything, but I was so paranoid. <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. Cause I think people don't know, like who, the, 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 they don't ask for receipts. They're just asking for a rough budget. I mean, you know, if somebody applies then gets asked for receipts, I, I don't want to be liable, but uh, that's been my experience with a bunch of different places. Yeah. It did help for me to have the two accounts to just track and see what I was spending on on that and with it and, and it was interesting to financially separate it out and to 
to think about it in a different manner. Mm-hmm. And Jane, what, what sort of impact do you see PEN America's grants and fellowships having? Like, are, are there, I'm sure there are so many of them, but what are some of the big success stories of this person was awarded a grant and they produced this? Mm-hmm. Um, for the grants, I think the, you know, the main success is helping getting a book contract um, for a lot of the, the work that we have. Specifically, we have um, a kind of suite of translation funds grants. Um, and so we award about 10 each year for translation and progress. And once we publish that list of here are this year's grant winners, we get all these agents um, in our inboxes saying, hey, I'd love to see this project. I'd love to see this project. And then it's really wonderful to be able to connect the writers. Maybe they already have an agent, maybe they don't, um, you know, or maybe they have a book contract. Most of them do not. So then it helps them to get towards publishing their final work. Um, it gives them the exposure, the media exposure. It gives just um, another kind of bullet point on someone's CV or resume, which I think also really helps when you're applying for future grants. It's like, well, I got this grant and I finished it. Like, look, I can produce um, I can produce things. And um, yeah, I'd say that that's one of the big things. And then for the, the grants that offer larger funds, like our oral history grants are $15,000 each. That's a, a significant amount of money for, for someone um, who can really just speed up the process. We all know that writing is incredibly time consuming, especially as we're balancing all these other aspects. So if it, it, it enables you to step back from one thing to focus more and, and speed things up, you can, can do more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I was having an, um, I had somebody ask me, well, what's your timeline on this? And I said, well, it depends on if you give me this grant or not. You know, it's, it's, it's six months if you give me the grant, it's, it's two years if you don't. So, um, and it does, it's certainly the, especially more significant amounts. I mean, they completely enable you to do something you would never be able to do uh, because you wouldn't be able to take the time to do it because you just wouldn't have the money. Justine, do you have any pieces like that? Pieces that you only were able to write because of a grant or fellowship? Um, I mean, my most recent piece, I mean, sure. I mean, all of my most recent pieces, I have only been able to write because of grants or fellowships because every um, piece I do takes so much research that um, I, I mean, it would just be financially impossible for me to do. So I, like um, Type Investigations is an organization that does journalism grants exclusively investigative. So I believe the last, like in the past, since 2017, I think I've gotten four, four of my long form stories have been supported by them um, and wouldn't have been possible at all without that organization. Um, they also, I'm a fellowship that I'm on. They are uh, facilitating the, a type for their type media is a, is the umbrella organization. Um, I'm working on a book proposal through that fellowship, um, which is like a significant amount or like a, something that can actually allow you to live on. I can write, I've done a book in the past and I remember doing the proposal and being really rushed with it because I knew I needed to sell it in order to do the book because I didn't have any other income. Having the the Type Media Fellowship has allowed me to work really intricately on the proposal and really work out, like how, like try to make the absolute best proposal I can, really work out how, um, how I'm going to do the book. And I've been able to spend months on it. And then that actually ties into the Pan America Fellowship because the book, um, the book, came out of a, a magazine idea that I had for Pen America's Writing for Justice Fellowship, which is an amazing, amazing program um, run by Kate's, uh, it facilitates it. She's Kate's Meisner is Jane's uh, colleague at Penn and they fund uh, criminal legal system uh, writing, writing about mass incarceration. So I had an idea for, a, for an article. I applied for the Penn Fellowship. This was after a year of just and Penn is very good at, um, I think Penn is one of those organizations that cares a lot less about if you're like somebody and has a lot, is, is there are different, or, like, right, different organizations are like that. They're a little bit more, I would say, um, interested in the avant-garde, interested in finding the voice that might not be, have been sort of vetted before. So they 
funded that article, which grew bigger. And because of their funding and their support, I had the idea to do the book, which led into a different fellowship, which allowed me to do the book proposal. So all of those things kind of layer uh, atop each other. And I don't think any of the stuff I've done, and I did, I got a Pulitzer um, Center for Crisis Reporting grant to help support that magazine piece because it had so much data work. And so everything has really, um, everything has been able, enabled by grants. I don't think it's really possible unless you have money some other way to produce this kind of stuff, in-depth stuff, like without these organ- these grants, unless you're on staff, you know? Mm. And before we get into audience questions, we're getting a few here. I just want to ask, uh, Justine, starting with you, if there's anything, you know, you already mentioned how there are things that you learned from being on the judging side of, of fellowships that you, that have sort of helped you be a better application writer for grants. Is there anything for people that are just starting out that you would love for them to know as they're getting started searching for grants and fellowships and writing applications for them? I was actually thinking before this, is there like a, you know, there's, there doesn't, in my recollection, I don't think there's one spot with all the uh, awards. I'm wishing I remembered now. And I want to share this. There's a writer on Twitter who made like a calendar, an open calendar with all the different grants and awards, but I can't remember. So it's not that useful to give that information out. But I did a lot of research on like ProFellow. Um, I just did a lot of online research for my genre. I think, you know, you look for your genre. If you're in poetry, you have to do different research than I had to do. Um, And I think you have to think of it as like also... I think as writers, we're, we're, we typically are constitutionally not great at selling ourselves. It's kind of against how we are. We're not great at like talking, hyping ourselves up or speaking to the importance. For me, I do kind of social justice reporting and it's helped me a lot in the past few years to think, okay, this is not about me. This is not about like, this is not just about me and being sort of egotistical and trying to like, this is about the people I'm writing about. And if I want to get these stories out the best that I can, let me just sell it. Let me sell it. Like I got to sell, I try to think of it as like, let me sell you why my thing is worth your money. And let me convince you like, because when I read on the other side, yeah, I, I, when someone's super confident, I'm like, okay, right. Confident and organized and like making the argument um, one thing I would say is there's an, that's the starting out phase, you know, and get ready for rejection. May as well just try to create a mental trick, which I do, in which I apply to something and then I try to completely forget that it ever existed so that I might be surprised, but, you know, not. Um, but I would say there is a second step in which you might get interviewed um, as a finalist, in which it's even more painful because if you get rejected from that, you've you've gone from like a one in a thousand chance to getting it to like a one in two chance and then you might get rejected. But um, I think the interview and I would love to, I don't know if Jane interviews people because I would be interested to hear about like from her side because I've never interviewed uh, somebody for a prize, but that's its own, you know, next step when the interview comes like, how do you, because I've definitely blown them like so badly, brutally, you know, an interview that goes for like three minutes and they're like, thanks. but that's the next step is learning how to, and you walk out and you think, I did not answer. There were correct answers to the questions and I did not have them at all. Um, but but there's something to be said for like that process and learning how to navigate that, which of course I think also for writers is not natural to sit, especially with like a panel of people being like, so what do you really, you know, who always, all the different organizations have different things that they want from you, you don't know ahead of time. Um, So I've also had to try to learn how to prepare myself for that and to go in very, I don't want to say aggressively, but extremely prepared and very sure of my material, like sharks, not like a shark tank style, but like in a way, you know, sure of why this is the thing for you to invest in. Um, And that's been a whole process of learning how to try to do that. I mean, I'd be interested in Jane, if you do, I don't know if you interview people, but what that side is. We've never interviewed anyone. And I'm just like, what kind of questions do they ask you? <laughs> like, what no, are it's, it's, oh my God, there'll be six people, you know, staring at you and you walk in and you think I haven't interacted with this many people, but you don't, you haven't interviewed people. No, we don't. We, um, <laughs> no, I don't think I ever, 
interviewed and like any of them we inter- like after we were like hey can we interview you about being a finalist and what that means to you but we never never for like a book award but not for for our grants or fellowships um you know Penn has so many various fellowships and the ones that I manage um don't have those interviews but I and I'm not too familiar with the processes behind we have an emerging voices fellowship and then we have the prison and justice writing fellowships and um, and there's a few different things that we do and I'm not sure if they interview, but I don't, I don't think that we do across the board. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's the, that's the next step <laughs> once you get to that, but that's definitely its own. Uh, there should probably be a seminar on how to interview well as a writer who is awkward and sits alone in their house all the time, how to like deal with, you know, six people staring at you. Um, <laughs> I haven't mastered it. <laughs> so I, I want to get into some audience questions now because we have so many good questions coming in here. Uh, first one, Jane, we'll start with you on this one. How does a fellowship panel judge applicants of judge applicants of new or so? How do you judge a writer who is new or unpublished? I'd say the main the main um, thing that the panel is looking at in that sense is the writing sample um, that they whether it's nonfiction, fiction, poetry what have you, um, it's, it's really looking at the, the story, the, the ability to master language, the wordplay, you know, obviously spelling and grammar always matters, but, but looking to see the raw material, what they're submitting and, and whether or not it resonates and, and whether or not other people are going to be able to connect with that writing as well. Mm-hmm. Justine, anything to add to that? Uh, sorry, what was the question? Uh, how do you judge new or unpublished writers? Yeah, sorry, I was just, I was curious. And then I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, what, what I was thinking, as, as Jane said, that was like, um, do, do know that it's really exciting if you're, if you're on the other, on the judging side to find that great person. Like the judges want to find the great new talent, you know, don't think that just because you're unpublished, people are, are poo-pooing it. The reality is a lot of times that's, that's the most exciting thing for somebody, the, like the hope that, that that great talent, that emerging talent will, will come through. It's not, it can seem like the world is so closed, I know, and it is to a certain degree, but I think there's also that hope that people on the judging side have to find something totally fresh and new and, and to be the one that finds it. Mm-hmm. Next question, Jane, I think I'll start with you again on this one. Does age come into play when applying for fellowships or grants? For instance, I'm retired yet just beginning my serious writing career. Am I a good candidate for this or is it designed mostly for younger writers? Um, I would say that you should never have age as a limiting factor to anything, no matter what. Um, And that would go both ways towards the youth side or towards the older side. and, and I really think that, you know, you can be an emerging writer at any, any age, any point in your life. Um, it does not matter. Um, it was quite interesting. We have one, um, one award, it's technically a book award, but it's for a debut short story, a writer's very first published short story. And then they're published in an anthology each year. And one of the writers was who won one year was so excited. She's like, I've had a whole other career. I'm like, didn't even think about this and here I am this like emerging writer and it it's just really spiriting and we were really excited we're like yeah your age does not matter that's do your thing Justine anything to add to that no I'm just happy for this person that they're (laughs) they're doing it (laughs) next question Justine I'll start with you on this one how should emerging writers navigate applying to fellowships, which may be very competitive or have an application fee, especially when you're on a budget and just starting out? Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I think that um, sort of the dark side to this, I know I'm like fellowship, I do think that um, organizations can be super exploitative in, in how they conceive of like the design of an application, for example, which um, all seems really worth it if you get it. But if you don't, you're like, did I just spend like four days of my life? I mean, uh, you know, um, some some foundations do require what seems, I mean, it's almost like crazy making. There are certain ones whose names shall not be mentioned that have, you know, 40, like insane amounts of questions. I have no, I mean, I have no answer. It is unfair, it seems to me, 
um, to have an application fee that's uh, prohibitive. Um, I think often a small application fee will just go to a ju the judges for like their time. I would think if you really, if really the application fee is truly like a problem, um, I, I would guess that if you wrote directly and were to ask somebody and to be able to get in touch with somebody and ask, hey, listen, I, I actually have something really great. I've worked really hard, but I can't afford it. I would, if you could get through to a human being, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get that waived if you were truly, you know, in a hard position. Um, these aren't like, you know, real uber capitalist organizations. <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty human. Um, and in terms of navigating it as emerging, I would, I would uh, set your sights on things that are set for people in early career and that are more, I wouldn't go for like a Guggenheim grant as your first, because it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, if you haven't published or you've published very little, I would, I would set my sights on things that are targeted towards somebody starting out, um, do my research. And then uh, the more that you're successful bit by bit, the, the more you can build, you know, just realistically that's, but yes, there's a, there's a level of it that's really frustrating and not fair. That's the, that's the truth of it too. Yeah. I would say to the, to the application fees, a lot of it is going to fund, you know, a lot of the organizations are nonprofits. And so we're already like operating at very slim margins. And so a lot of application fees do go to fund like the judges honoraria or the actual administration of the prize. Um, you know, for the grants, we have one that we have a, a small application fee for. And we say, if you have any, if you need a fee waiver, no questions asked, just email us and we'll give you one. Um, but it it is really disheartening for, I've come across several places where you have reached out for a fee waiver and they don't give one. And then that kind of makes me want to just throw up a, a finger and say, well, then I don't want to participate in your program whatsoever if you don't have this, we're asking for money because we need money and here you are, you know. Um, but it's just like, you know, that's not everybody's opinion. Um, and then one thing that always, I think is hard for me when I see all of these grants and applications and everything and all the criteria are these letters of reference. Sometimes they ask for up to three letters of reference. And as someone who's like, say you're trying to apply for tons of grants and you're always asking the same people over and over for letters of reference and then they have to update it and and redo it. And that's something that always really frustrates me. And I wish that as like a collective community of, of grants organizers, we could say, let's scrap the, the reference letters. You know, um, a lot of times they don't mean mean anything. It's just kind of you need some stamp of approval from someone to say, yes, this person is who they say they are and they're doing what they say. Um, you know, even just having one letter of reference would be better than three. Um, yes, that's something that I'm always worried about for people. So here's a question. We, we kind of talked about it, but I want to go in a little more detail because it's being asked a lot, which is where to find grants and fellowships. Um, I'll start, I, I know, I think Poets and Writers has like a database full of them. Um, but I did want to go to both of you and see, I think, Justine, I'll start with you. Where, where do you find the ones that you apply for? Where, where do you look? I, I think I mentioned this before, and it's just the, I just, I'm a reporter. I'm an investigative reporter. So something I can do is spend hours and hours combing the internet for stuff. And I really think I did that. And I wish that I had made something that I could, you know, put as a Google Doc or something. Um, I know I did comb through profellow.com for a lot of um, fellowships that it has listed. And then sometimes like NYU reporting, I think NYU like School of Journalism has a lot of, um, these are more early career grants, um, but I, there was no one place. I, yeah, I think Poets and Writers sounds like it for kind of fiction and poetry and stuff, but for nonfiction and um, yeah, it, it, I have a sort of running little like handwritten list, but. <laughs> It's a lot of research. Gotcha. Jane, what about you? Do you have any resources you know of that provide these lists? One that I was thinking, the Alliance of Artist Residencies, is that what it's called? The Alliance of Artist Communities um, has a really interesting list. I know that a lot of universities have lists. I think that my alma mater's um, 
is private though for the system, um, but they have you know an extensive list of grants, fellowships, things you can apply for. And I'm sure that a lot of universities probably have them open as well. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, there there's so many bizarre places, poets and writers sometimes just Google like, list of grants for this or this and the the timelines are often always changing so i wouldn't trust whatever's posted i'd go to like once you find something that you're excited about go directly to the website and see what's the most up to date before you start planning your your timelines oh you're muted yeah i just figured that out. thank you <laughs> so here's a a bit of an interesting question uh, let's start with jane are there consequences, if any, if a grant attendee does not complete their project or if it turns out to be a disaster? I mean, <laughs> like, what is the disaster? Um, you know, I think for the most part, if it's like you just come up to, you're trying to do this big project and it just doesn't work out. I mean, depending on what grant you got, people could talk and say, hey, this writer has done, like, hasn't done this in the past. You're, the amount of... Um, you know, I don't like information that is shared and then is passed on. Like a lot of the writers who are judging for things judge for a lot of things and you'd be surprised. Um, so if it's like a bigger grant, if you say you got a Guggenheim and you didn't, you just totally ran off with the money, that's going to get around. People are going to talk about you. Um, but if it's something like you're doing a translation grant and you just kept trying and trying and it's been five years and you just got interested in something else and you completed a different grant, that's, you know, everybody understands there's some things you just can't finish. Just, just tell us off the record, Jane, who got the good. <laughs> I can't. No one, we're all friends here. <laughs> Justine, do you have anything to add to that about, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about if you don't meet. I mean, you're not going to be, you know, arrested. Um, and you'll probably get to keep the money. <laughs> you just, you know didn't complete your thing. I guess I don't, I don't imagine it's necessarily super unusual that, that like writers and artists don't in a good time complete their project. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times projects merge and transform and turn into something totally different that you would not expect. And then later the artist will be 10 years later, wait a second, that actually came, this helped in a way and I didn't even realize it, you know? So it, it it's flexible, mm -hmm. things change. So we have so many good questions here, but I think we got time for one more, maybe two, but we'll see. So next question, uh, Justine, let's start with you on this, but I wanna hear from Jane too. Is there a way to learn why a grant or fellowship application was rejected? Like, do you, like, Justine, for when yours were rejected, was there ever feedback or do you, do you just feel like it's all subjective? I don't feel like it's all subjective. I feel like I've gotten stronger at doing it. Um, but there's a luck element where you might submit something that's absolutely great and worthy and you might just have a judge who's on it or an intern who goes through it who just it doesn't speak to them and it just doesn't get through. So, I mean, sorry. I mean, if you're doing your best absolute work, I don't think there's a way to tell um, why this happened. There's there's certainly a, a big luck element, too. Mm -hmm. Jane, what about you? When an application gets rejected, what are some of the reasons why you're saying no? There's like the base ones where we we vet for eligibility in the first round, and that's like on an administrative level. Um, we just make sure that all the criteria fit, you know, that the, the work fits what the grant um, is for, and then we pass it on to the judges. So we don't do any of the actual judging ourselves unless something is really you know, like atrociously written and we're like, okay, this person, this, we know it's not going to move forward in a judge conversation and it shouldn't have really been submitted anyway. So that's really the only times that will come in. And then otherwise it's really the judges who, who discuss and it can be matters of taste. It can be matters of, of how they're approaching their perspective on, on what the writing is. And a lot of times we want that to be confidential, those conversations with the judges. You know, we want the, say if it's a panel of three judges or 10 judges or however many, it's, we want them to feel comfortable being honest with the work. Um, so we do keep those conversations confidential. I think some grants, it's very rare that a grant will give you feedback on your, uh, on your application. And I think that 
in rare cases, some judge will say this really spoke to me and I want you to, can you like pass on this note that says that they really want to encourage this person to keep writing. And we're like, of course, you know, we want to support writers in every way we can. Um, but for the most part, there's just so much conversation. And sometimes you wouldn't even be able to say why it didn't. If there's two, two proposals that are in the running and one wins out or over the other, it's you, there's, you just can't say, you know. So last question I want to get in here, Justine, because you, you mentioned the kinds of, of questions you'll be asked if you're interviewed as a finalist. What were some of the questions that you that you were asked that people should be prepared for if they do get to that stage? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I just didn't understand that um, they're looking again, certainly in earlier stages, I didn't understand quite how to match the organization's mission to um, what you're doing. So I remember, you know, the interview that I did so badly on, they were like, hey, can you do this article in like a day? You know, does it really need all this time? And I didn't understand that you're supposed to be like, no, you're giving me this huge thing. So here's why it needs to be two weeks. So I was quite literally like, yeah, I guess you could do it in a day if you wanted to kind of like not do a very good job. I don't know. You know, I mean, I just did not get what they were asking. So I think I've learned over time through many unfortunate conversations and some that went really well. A, you got to know your stuff. You have to know your stuff so well, um, you know, your, your subject matter. And then B, you've got to be able to um, understand, like really get what they sort of think through what they're going to ask a sort of, uh, tailored to that particular fellowship. Like this is what this place will probably be looking for and then prepare your answers. Um, and I think you can you can figure that out by looking at why you've gotten as far as you did and what they want. Um, and I would say one, one last thing is that if you know anyone who got it before um, or know anybody who knows anybody or even know like out in the world, a writer who seems open to kind of a little bit of guidance, and might have gotten this, you can try to reach out and say, hey, like, I'm a really serious person. I really want this. Would you give me two minutes of your time and let me know what I might need to know for this opportunity? Um, I can't guarantee you always get that, but it's, it's a, something that people might help you with. Mm -hmm. Jane, do you have any parting words, any, any last bits of advice for people? Just real quick, if there's anything that I haven't asked that you think people should know as they're applying. Or not. If we've covered everything, that's good yeah. too. <laughs> I was like, what can we tell you? I think just be true to yourself and your passion and your interests. That always shows through. It's like a judge is going to tell if you care about a project or not uh, immediately. So, you know, don't waste your time either. Do things that you care about and the projects that feel meaningful to you and that are important and, and feel real. And I think that success will, will follow in, in whatever way it does. Awesome. Well, thank you both, Jane, Justine, thank you both so much for being here. It was a wonderful discussion. Uh, again, a reminder to our, uh, our listeners, we're not here next week. We're going to be back May 27th is our next episode. Check on the website for that. Again, Justine, Jane, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. See you all in a few Bye. weeks. Bye.